side note, when we were looking at domains for the Burley Bison Bakery website, yeah. there's a domain that's .men. So <laughs> I really want someone to have a website that it's raining dot men. .men. Yeah. That would be a great website. Yes. What would be on that website? Like literal pictures of raindrops with men in them? No, I would want some like very early 2000s graphics of like flashing raindrops <laughs> and... What are those? You can do them on Instagram stories now of like people. There's like people dancing back and forth. GIFs. GIFs. Mm, I guess that's what it would be. Yeah. I want those pictures of men in the sparkling <laughs> the early flashing. 2000s raindrops. Welcome to Live Life Creative, breaking down the barriers to being more creative. I'm Dylan Kryenbrink. Thanks for spending some time with me today. We're having a conversation with Nicole, my wife. I thought it'd be fun to have her interview me, you know, to kind of set up some context on where I'm coming from as a creator. We're also talking about how the show is going to help you in your creative walk. You can follow Live Life Creative on Instagram. The handle is Live Life Creative Podcast and the website Live Life Creative Podcast dot XYZ. I love it. I post each episode online there with the show notes of any pictures or any other resources that we talk about during each episode. And I'd love it if you can send me a message, especially a voice message, to live life creative podcast at gmail.com. And at the end of the episode, I'll give you a little bit of instructions on a really easy way to be able to send those voice messages. Well, okay, let's cut right to it. Here's my conversation with Nicole. So, Nicole, thank you so much for spending some time with me today because we don't already spend like every day together or anything. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> and thanks for interviewing me for the podcast. I really appreciate that. You're very welcome. Had to do it. <laughs> because I definitely did not talk you into this or anything. Right. Right. So, the podcast, uh, this podcast episode is more about letting people get to know me a little bit as the host. And I thought you'd be really good because you're a part of my life and you're a big part of my life. You're like the biggest part of my life after God. It's usually how marriage works. It's usually how marriage works. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm really glad that you could take time out of your schedule for me today. All right, Dylan, where did you grow up at? So I grew up in Iowa uh, and I think Iowa is a really great place to grow up because it's very safe. (laughs) Uh, maybe a little bit sheltered, but uh, I thought it was a really good place and just lived kind of in the city, a smaller city. It's called Sioux City after the Sioux Indian tribe. And probably the only interesting thing about Sioux City is that it was a major stop along the Lewis and Clark Trail. And there's like a museum about them and stuff there. I've been to that museum. Yeah, your family one. took me there. It's a there's a statue of a giant dog there. <laughs> the and a bison. Of City. Bison. And what kind of creative activities did you do growing up in Sioux City, Iowa? I did a lot of reading. I guess it's not exactly creative, but it's engaging, you know, with creative material, you know, books and stuff. Growing up, I also did I played guitar. Learned to play guitar on my own initially. My dad bought my uncle's guitar and then we went to the music store and I got a really super cheap case for the guitars, like five bucks and a couple of books to learn from. And I taught myself guitar like the very first night I had that guitar. I played guitar for two hours 
which was a really long time because I had no calluses on my fingers and that really hurts. <laughs> and that was like notes, you know, on the scale, like music sheet, music type learning guitar. It wasn't really like chords or anything. And the first introduction I got to like playing chords and more like actual pop songs, not pop songs really, but just songs with chords on guitar. My uncle taught them to me, a different uncle than the uncle my dad bought the guitar from. And he taught me just the few basic chords and that was really cool. I thought that was really fun. And I also auditioned for and got into my youth group worship band. And it was really interesting that I got into the band because the music I auditioned with was just sheet music. It was like nothing like the music that you would play in like a church worship band at all, which is like a core chart kind of music. But they still let me in, which was crazy <laughs> because I really didn't know the kind of music that I would be playing. But then I learned. So that was really good. So what were you planning to study when you went into college then? Well, obviously, I was going to become a professional guitar player. Duh. <laughs> I mean, clearly, I was on my rise to stardom right there. So I was doing the youth worship band. Uh, eventually, I also joined the worship team for like the main congregation services. And that was kind of the only clear thing that I had to go towards for a degree. Uh, my other hobbies were just like reading books, playing video games. And I guess I could have like become a writer or video game designer, but I just like reading and playing video games, not like actually making those things. So I had experience playing guitar, taking guitar lessons, playing in worship bands and stuff like that. Uh, so I became a guitar major for a year and a half. And actually the first year of it, I went to community college. And my year at community college was actually my senior year of high school. So I was able to take college credit as a senior in high school through the community college, which was good. So my first year of being a music major was at community college. So what happened after that year and a half? Did you drop out of college? I did drop, <laughs> no, I didn't drop out of college. So graduated high school after that year in community college. I started going to Cornerstone University and it took me about half of a semester of being a music major at Cornerstone. I realized I would like to eat more than just ramen all my life. I would like to drive cars that were not constantly breaking down, which is probably a really bad characterization of musicians. But I did not feel confident in my ability as a mus musician to provide an income for myself and eventually a wife and family. That's me. <laughs> that That's you. Thank you. So that's why I decided not to be a music major anymore. So what did you switch to? So I didn't want to get entirely out of like music totally because musical people I think are pretty cool. I think they're pretty interesting. I, I like the music industry. Okay. Uh, I think it's kind of like a cool place to be, a fun place to be. So instead of getting entirely out of that and becoming like an accountant or something super boring like that, no, nothing on accountants or anything. It's just not what I'm interested in. I decided to move kind of sideways into audio production. So if you imagine like a music recording studio, instead of being the musician being recorded, I'd be the person, you know, like setting up the microphones and uh, sitting behind the soundboard and like doing the technical side of musical recording. So that suited me. That has suited me pretty well. 
I'm really into like the technical side of things. Like I'm good at learning technical things, uh, which worked well with audio production because there's a lot of like technical things. And not to say that there's not like, was it left brain or right brain that's supposed to be the creative side? Left brain is left the brain creative, the creative yeah. side. So there's, it's not to say that there's not left brain type stuff in audio production, but to, just to get started, you have to do a lot of like right brain type stuff just to get, you know, moving with it. And then once you've kind of mastered the basics, then that's where like the creativity comes in when you, with mixing and mastering, uh, how you use EQ and how you use compression. Uh, but just to get started as like a freshman audio production student, like you're not learning creative uses of those things. You're learning compression. What's EQ? What does those things mean? And those are all like very technical things, which is kind of what I excelled at. So after you graduated, did you actually get a job or are we, are we still eating ramen? No, we are homeless on the streets, actually. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so I graduated with audio production degree. Uh, minor in music because I had enough credits left over from that to get a minor with just a, like a few other things, a few other classes to fill that out. The spring before graduation, I had an internship at WCSG, which is the local Christian radio station here in Grand Rapids. And I liked that a lot. Like I thought it was pretty cool, like being in the radio station. I got to sit in the like the studio, the radio studio when they're on the air. Like I had to be really quiet like I couldn't say anything like when they're actually talking and stuff, but it was a cool environment. And I really liked the, the hosts that I was with. Um, I was, the I was specifically interning under one of the afternoon hosts. And the funny thing is this internship was the spring of 2014 in the fall semester of 2013. So just a few months before that, I got a part-time job at a local Christian media ministry to help them produce an audio drama. And I was just like, you know, scheduling and kind of like sort of more grunt work stuff, not like running the recording studio or anything like that. But the guy who was my boss at this Christian ministry was also my boss at the internship. So it worked out really well. (laughs) So if there is something to do with the audio drama that we were working on together, like we could just meet at the radio station on campus, which was fantastic for me because I didn't have to drive anywhere. I could just walk over there, which was great. So between that part-time job at the media ministry, and I would say what it is, I'm not entirely sure on like the professional code of ethics, conflict of interest or whatever, like if I can be really specific with where I work, all opinions and views expressed on my podcast are my own or that of my guests and do not reflect the opinions and views of the place that I work for, just to make that clear. So I had that part-time job, the radio internship. And I started looking for jobs to work after graduation. And I was interviewed for and offered a job at that same media ministry that I was working for part-time. And the deal with that was they had acquired an internet radio station for kids, like specifically internet radio for kids, which is a really interesting niche. And they needed somebody just to run it on like a technical side, like not being a host or not doing any, like, anything like too crazy with it, uh, just to make sure that there's something running Make sure there's always music running. Make sure there's always new programs in there, stuff like that. So I was hired full-time in that role. And I started full-time May 27 of 2014. And that, incidentally, is still where I'm at. My job has changed over the years, but still working with like the internet radio station for kids. So how did you get into photography, which seems to be one of your other creative outlets? 
So with audio production, I really liked playing with sound and like doing different things with that. And I really enjoyed all the different aspects of sound. But with photography, when I got married to you, Nicole, I also married into a camera, into camera ownership. This is true. So for probably the first at least six months, maybe a year of being married, like I didn't do anything with the camera. I don't think it sat in the closet pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. We pulled it out for our wedding because we had like a photo booth. So we used that for the photo booth, which was fun. But I really didn't do anything with it. Can you like help me remember? Why did did I just pull it out for fun to learn about it? Or was it for anything in specific? I honestly have no idea. <laughs> I think I had the day off one day and you were working and I just pulled it out and started like, OK, I'm going to learn how to use a camera now. And I did. Like one of my passions is like to learn stuff. I really enjoyed learning. I really enjoyed being in school, taking classes. So learning how to use a camera, like that's a fun thing for me, like especially the technical side at first, kind of the same idea with audio production. Like you have to have a certain mastery of technical things over a camera, shutter speed, aperture, ISO. Those are kind of the big three things. Like you have to achieve a certain technical mastery before you can start getting creative with it. So that was kind of like what I did that first day that I pulled it out. I just looked up on the internet how to use a camera and I started learning about, you know, what shutter speed is and aperture and ISO and and how to use light a little bit. Like just the idea of having to have enough light to take a good picture. I didn't understand that before that particular day. It was like in March, maybe, of 2016. Uh, we got married in 2015, in case you weren't aware of that, Nicole. I did remember, yes. You did remember the date? Okay. Yes. Just to give a little timeline for those who may have not have been aware of that. So I was just learning like basically how to take a halfway decent photo, which was cool. Like one of the first photos I've taken, I'll put it in the show notes. One of the first pictures I took was just of the bicycle gear of one of the old rusty bikes chained up to like in our apartment complex parking lot. And like there's a couple of bikes that stood there for like the whole two years that we lived in that apartment complex and they never moved, I don't think. I think they were missing wheels and Missing things. wheels and seats. They're super rusty. So there's like, I remember that picture in particular being like pretty cool. Um, I remember a few pictures I took to try out like, what does depth of field mean? Like how to get a blurry background for things. And like some of those like blew my mind at first because I thought like, oh my goodness, this looks so cool. In the picture that I'm thinking of right now, I had focused on the top of like a metal rail that was sticking up out of the ground. It's like the kind of metal rail that they use to hold trees steady, you know, like they tie ropes or whatever to small trees to help keep it from blowing away in the wind. A stake. A stake, a metal stake. Yeah. Yeah. I had focused just on the top of that. So then everything like from an inch below that point of focus and down, all that was blurry. And that just blew my mind. I thought that was crazy so that's pretty much how i got into photography uh in the beginning and i kept doing it what are all the different kinds of things that you shot now with a camera not a gun oh yeah that's true i've shot many trees with a gun i have shot uh paper targets let's see cardboard with a gun but with a camera probably the biggest single category that i've shot is desserts so, Nicole, uh, what is your your business that you do? 
Yeah, I actually run a healthy bakery out of our home called the Burley Bison Bakery. Oh, I didn't know that, except I I take the pictures for that. So that's why I take a lot of dessert pictures is for Nicole's bakery. So a lot of cookie pie, which is delicious. And uh, I was looking at some pictures of coconut bites, blueberry coconut bites, which are super good. And so you've probably made like 30 different kinds of dessert that I've taken pictures of. Maybe even more. Maybe even more than that. There was a solid year and a half where all you did was bake desserts on the weekends. Different things every weekend, like two different things. Just trying to come up with recipes and stuff for the bakery. And then you would make them and then I would take pictures of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my biggest category is desserts because of the bakery that I helped Nicole with, with uh, taking pictures of that. And then other than that, it's been pretty scattered. I'm not a, in business as a portrait photographer or senior photographer or wedding or, or anything like that. So it's, you know, just going out, taking a walk. You know, there's some trees, there's some flowers, some birds. I did a kind of series of photos based on this old road bike that I got for free from one of my coworkers. I called the series Louis the Left-Handed Bicycle. Which uh, makes no sense. Which makes no sense. Like being left-handed has nothing to do with it. But it's just this really cool, like, I don't know, mid-80s kind of road bike. And it's like super hipster. And then I took some uh, a few months ago, uh, maybe in the spring-ish here. And that was just like maybe a half dozen more or something like that. But it, there are some pretty cool photos. I'll put some photos in the show notes of Louie. And actually, it's kind of cool posting those ones on Instagram because, you know, I'd get all the bicycle hashtags and stuff like that. And so now there's people who actually ride bikes for hobby or for like they're professional bicyclists and then they start following me like oh okay well that's cool i guess (laughs) (laughs) makes sense you know kind of the funniest thing to me interesting is i took all these photos with like a nice camera you know trying to set up these shots but the photo that got the most likes on instagram was a picture i took with my phone in front of our apartment building a pretty basic super kind of boring photo just a snapshot but that one got the most likes on instagram Whereas like the pictures where I try to like make them interesting and, you know, zoom in and get a close up or, you know, it's in a field somewhere. Those ones were, they were good, you know, but just the top one was the one I took with my phone, which is whatever, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what that says about social media. Is this out of all the Louis photos? Yeah. Out of all the Louis, the left-handed bicycle photos. And you can see all those photos if you check out my Instagram, (laughs) promote that Instagram. You could also promote the bakery website. If people wanted to see more of your dessert photos. Oh, yeah. If you want to see more of my dessert photos, you can find the Burley Bison Bakery dot com or you can find Burley Bison Bakery, all one word on Instagram. And those are all of my photos. And you've taken a few of the photos, too. Maybe one out of a hundred. <laughs> well, a few of them. Anything else that you've shot? I've taken some pictures of you, Nicole. Mm-hmm. We did some winter princess ones. That's how I mentally categorize them. <laughs> Uh, there's this pretty cool park near our house. We live in a house now. We moved out of the apartment 10 months ago. And this park is pretty cool. Like It's this paved walking trail going through the woods, but it's just in the middle of the city. On the north side of the park is a Meyer grocery store, good you know, general stuff store, and just completely surrounded by you know major roads in the area. But when you're actually in the park, it's very heavily wooded. There's like a pretty good sized creek going through it, a little bit of up and down, some bridges, a really cool park. And it's just so quiet in this park. Like you don't even realize you're in the city until you get to kind of like the eastern edge of it. And then there's some like industrial buildings over there. 
So that's where we took the winter princess photos. And earlier in the summer before that, we took some pictures of you just kind of walking through the woods. I had wanted to practice my posing, and I'm still not a very good poser of people. But that's my practice was using you. There's a theme going through all this photo stuff is that I use Nicole as my model and subject to my photos as I'm learning. It's true, but it goes both ways because I use you to get good photos for my bakery website. Yeah, it's so. a fair trade. You know, yep. Marriage is a partnership. It's true. 100% both directions. <laughs> so what do you want to do with photography? I mean, anybody who gets like a halfway decent camera is like, oh, I'm going to start a photo business. And then they start a Facebook page and maybe they do like a free WordPress blog site for their photos and they try to get people to pay them for taking pictures of them. And so I'm kind of in that spot. I would like to make money with photography. It'd be great to have extra income. I really enjoy doing it. I think it's a lot of fun. I like people. Okay. (laughs) But really, that's probably one of my greatest weaknesses is I'm not a super great people person. And that probably would hold me back a little bit from uh, really having a good photography business. The other biggest challenge I have with doing something to be paid for photography is finding a niche. And that's a really big deal. People say, find your niche, find what you really love to do and stick with that. And you can really go far with that. But I don't know what kind of niche I want. How did you get into podcasts then? So I got into podcasts because of you, again, Nicole. So there's also another theme kind of running through this a little bit where I'm inspired by you. (laughs) You're just the inspiration of my life. Uh, So with the photography, you're the one who had the camera. And with podcasts, you're the one who introduced me to podcasts too. And I think you had gotten me onto them maybe the summer of 2014, somewhere around there, I'd say. So before we were married... Before we were engaged, too, mm-hmm. like when we started dating, I think you had me start on like This American Life, probably. Yep. That's where I started. Yeah. Yeah. And who got you into podcasting? That was from my brother. He okay. does a lot of driving for his job. Mm-hmm. So he's always listening to audiobooks and music and podcasts. And at that time, I had a job that was really boring in an office. Mm-hmm. So I was also looking looking for some audio entertainment. Yeah. And This American Life has like hundreds of archived episodes on their website. So I would just listen to 10, 12 episodes a day (laughs) at that point. Yeah. They go back like 20 years or something like that. Like a really, really long time. So that's how I got into podcasts. Uh, Mostly listening when I work out in the mornings or stuff like that or going for a walk or doing stuff around the house. So I started with a lot of like NPR podcasts, uh, got into Planet Money, still love Planet Money. I don't listen to This American Life quite so much. I have a lot of other podcasts I'm subscribed to. I listen to a lot of podcasts about photography. I listen to a lot of podcasts about podcasting. You know, if you so remember, meta. So meta. Gimlet Media is a podcast production company. The guy who started that company actually used to work for This American Life and Planet Money. He like co-founded Planet Money within the whole NPR franchise too, actually. So yeah, my podcasting life has been very rich over these past few years. I actually looked at my listening stats on my podcast player. I've spent 20% of my entire life over the past couple of years listening to podcasts, which I cannot say I'm sad about. What do you like so much about podcasts that you would spend 20% of your life listening to them? Uh, Well, it's just a great way to be entertained or a great way to learn when you're doing something else. If you think of YouTube videos, which is watching YouTube videos, it's kind of like the big mega behemoth way of consuming content right now. 
But when you watch a YouTube video, like that's what you're doing. You're watching a YouTube video, which is great. I watch YouTube videos, but there's not much else that you can do and still get the full impact of the video. You have to sit there and watch it. But with podcasts, you can do kind of whatever. A long road trip, you can listen to them while you're driving and that's safe. Like if you try to listen to a YouTube video when you're driving, that's not a good idea. That's not safe. Is that from personal experience? No, but there is one time. So I grew up in Iowa, live in Michigan now, Grand Rapids, Michigan. So during college, I would drive back to Iowa, breaks and stuff like that for school. And there is at least one time brought DVDs with me and I would watch movies on my laptop while I'm driving, <laughs> while I'm driving back to Iowa. Oh no. And so the laptop was like in the passenger seat and I had it like as far forward as I could without it falling onto the floor. And really, I was mostly just listening then too. like I wasn't really watching it, but that was still like not a great idea. Now I'm scared of what you do in the car while I'm sleeping on road trips. <laughs> well, I think you would if I try to watch a movie, I'd have to put the laptop on top of you. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might notice that. I think so. So I really love podcasts because you can do other stuff when you're listening. And I just l- still love working with audio. After college, I really didn't get into recording music during college or after college because I like music, but I don't love music. If you want to work in the music industry, in the recording industry, you've got to love it. Like it's got to be your thing. That's got to be your passion. You would listen to and record music as much as you could, even if you weren't getting paid for it. And that's the kind of passion you need to succeed in that kind of industry. And I just don't have that. Like I enjoy listening to music. And I'm fine with that. Music is not my thing. I'm cool. Like I've got some friends that I went to school with and that is their thing and they're doing great at it. Uh, Shout out to Crown Studios in Jackson, Mississippi with Shell Ends. He's a really cool guy. So I really enjoyed podcasting because I just love listening to it. And I would not be sad to have podcasting as my like job in life, you know, either doing it freelance and helping other people create podcasts or even working for a podcast company or something like that. And I do have some of that aspect to my job now. I'm still working at that media ministry I mentioned. A big part of my job is doing the audio production of some of the kids' devotional stories. Well, all the kids' devotional stories we're currently producing. And so there's like a one minute that goes out every day. There's a four and a half minute that goes out every day. Uh, There's a one minute thing for parents that goes out every day. I do all the audio production for that, which is really similar to what I would be doing if I was a podcast producer too. More focus on the production side rather than the content side, perhaps. But So I just really enjoyed listening to podcasts. I listen to a ton of them. I'm so happy that there's 60,000 active podcasts. Literally, that's the number that is there that are actively podcasting. I think that's great. And I love finding new podcasts to listen to. What's the hardest thing about creating consistent content every day and every week? So this comes in, especially with my, I'm a host on the kids radio station that I mentioned previously. I come up with a specific show topic for four days out of the seven that I record for. And that is really tough. Like trying to find something that kids would be interested in that they'd really want to learn about and listen to like that. That's kind of a tough thing. And so just coming up with new ideas is probably the biggest thing for me personally, 
Because once I have the seed of an idea, like a good article somewhere, that like then I can kind of expound on the article or bring my own ideas into it or whatever. Or if I find a good YouTube video, I can talk about that and kind of give my ideas on that to like my audience who is, you know, kids six to 12 years old. Uh, but just coming up with that initial idea is the toughest part for me. What are some of your sources of inspiration? My wife, Nicole, of course, we've already <laughs> talked about how she's my model for photography and she creates the uh, subjects of my dessert photography. And so uh, you've really been a big help to me and supporting me and not rolling your eyes too much when I want to go take pictures of you and things like that. And right now we're actually planning on going out tomorrow night from when this is being recorded and taking more pictures of you. You're welcome. Thank you. I'll work on posing, being a poser. Uh, another big creative inspiration for me is just learning from other people. Peter McKinnon is a pretty big time YouTube personality now. He's really blown up over the past 18 months or so. Uh, he's got a lot of inspiring type content that's like, makes me like, oh yeah, I'm going to go do that. You know, like that's really cool. And there's a lot of people kind of around him. That are like that. Uh, Casey Neistat, uh, Jesse Driftwood, uh, Chris Howe, uh, Matty Hapoya, a lot of people like that that I think are really cool. They're creating really cool stuff on YouTube. Sarah Dietschy is another one. Uh, those are some people that I would love to get on the podcast someday. That if I ever get to the point in having the podcast long enough with a pretty good amount of people listening to it, that they would be willing to come on to it. That'd be worth their time. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. One thing that I'm really passionate about about using my own creative skills is to help other people. And so when I've thought about like becoming a freelancer or starting my own business, I've thought about things like how can I use my skills to help like organizations, like other ministries, like do social media better, like with better images and better ideas for social media. Or how can I help people, you know, podcast better if I became a freelance podcast editor. My creative inspiration with that is to do better myself so that I can help other people do better too. What's the biggest struggle you've had as a creative person? I really struggle with staying focused on one thing. And Nicole, this is something that you've seen me go through, a process you've seen me go through a couple of times uh, with like, oh, I'm super excited about doing this thing, like whatever that thing is, like photography. I was all about photography for a while. Uh, for a while, it was learning how to code, like how to do HTML and CSS and stuff like that. Uh, for a while, it was digital marketing. And I like took the Google AdWords digital marketing certification that they've got. So you've seen me go through that a few times in my life, just since we've been married, you know, over the past three years, almost three years now. And so that's probably my biggest struggle is I can't focus very well on doing one thing. So creating the Live Life Creative podcast is an effort on my part to try to like commit to one thing because a podcast is not going to be very good if it doesn't stick around for very long. Like you could become and like it's possible to become a really great photographer in a couple of years, but you're not going to have a super successful podcast probably if you don't stick with it for a while or if you don't have some previous experience as a podcast. And that's not putting down photographers or any other creative field at all. This is just something that I want to do partly because I want to get good at something and really commit to an area. So how do you push past that struggle when it comes back to you again? It's just a decision to commit, really. 
I could go off on a tangent again. Maybe I get some idea that I'm going to become a famous, you know, public speaker or something like that. I don't know. Public speaker is just the first thing, but it's the decision to be like, no, I committed to doing this podcast. I'm going to keep doing this and I'm not going to be distracted from doing it by trying out some other new thing. I think becoming really good at creativity and creating content is just that decision to commit to one thing. If you try to be a generalist and just okay at a whole bunch of different things, you're not going to succeed at any of them. So with this podcast, part of that commitment device, and that's just how I'm going to try to keep working on it. So now you've started Live Life Creative. So there's 60,001 mm-hmm. podcasts. Exactly. Why did you want to start your own podcast? So it's definitely a part of that. Uh, just loving listening to podcasts. I really wanted to get into creating my own podcast because I just enjoy it so much. And I've thought about over the past two years, probably, what kind of podcast would I have? And I've got kind of the same problem with creating a podcast as I do with what kind of photographer would I be? Like my question for myself is what kind of niche would my podcast be in? So I think to myself, what kind of questions would I ask people? What would I really be interested in finding out from people? For a while, my idea was to have a podcast just exploring people's journeys in work, in their careers. Because one thing that a lot of people know now, that your career is not a straight line path. Typically, there's a lot of like left turns with that kind of thing. I think that kind of thing is really interesting, just exploring how people work, how they got to the jobs they have, what they like about them. But I wasn't really sure if that's the kind of direction I would want to take for a podcast. But I really liked that idea of talking to people who have creative jobs or doing creative things and finding out how they got to be doing that kind of thing and how they can help other creative people become better too. So the point of the Live Life Creative podcast is to help you break through your creative barriers. And I think that's really important because I believe that everybody can be creative and that everybody who is using their creativity can get stuck in being creative. And it can take a lot of effort to get unstuck with that kind of thing. You're just completely stuck behind writer's block if you're you know, a writer. But you have the same kind of thing that happens with photography. If you're a photographer, you really can fall into just taking the same kind of photo a thousand times for a thousand different people. And that's something that I've actually noticed with my dessert photography for the Burley Bison Bakery is that I'm taking, okay, here's like kind of a stood back shot a little bit to kind of get everything. And then you move in and get like a close up shot and then you get like a straight down shot of everything. So it's the same like dozen or half dozen photos for each different dessert that I've taken over the past couple of years. So it's that kind of creative barrier that I want to work through myself, but I realize that I can't necessarily do that on my own. It definitely helps to have people who are encouraging you and showing you like, oh, well, you could change this or you could try this or you could you know, have this idea or do it this way. And having that kind of input from the outside is really something that can help you push through that kind of creative barrier, which is what I want this podcast to be. I want this podcast to be something that helps you move out of your creative barrier and just help you, you know, do even more good things so that you're not just bored and frustrated with doing your creative work, that you can like learn to love the stuff that you love to make again. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What kind of episodes can we expect from Live Life Creative? So there's 
hopefully, depending on my ability to find and convince guests to be on the podcast, there'll be more interview episodes like this. I wanted this first episode to be an interview with me, not because I'm super like self-centered. I wanted this first episode to be with me so that just that the people that listen, that you listening, that you have some context of where I'm coming from, uh, some background on me, just so you have an idea of who I am. I'm not just like this random guy who started a podcast. Like You have an idea of who I am and how I want to help you. So more interview shows with this. I've got one guest on lockdown for sure. He's going to be episode two. Uh, and then after that, I'm working on a couple of other people that haven't said yes yet, but I really want them to. And I think that I can get them to say yes. I just have to keep in contact with them and kind of nudge them a little bit, probably. So interview shows. And then the other half is going to be sort of like tips and tricks type episodes. They're going to be like kind of one-on-one episodes. So they're not going to be with a guest. It's just going to be me. They're going to be between uh, five and 10 minutes long, maybe. There are ideas that I've come up with myself that have helped me you know, be more creative or get past my blocks or something like that. And I think that there are ideas that's going to help you too. What kinds of people are you hoping to interview for the show? So I want to get a variety of different people. Uh, this podcast is not focused specifically on podcasting. It's not specifically on photography or other creative fields specifically. The niche focus of Live Life Creative is going to be on helping you break past your creative barriers. And there can be a ton of inspiration from a ton of different people in different fields that are all doing awesome creative work that even if you're not doing their type of work, like if you're a photographer and you're wondering, like, how can a podcaster help me? There's ideas that go across those kind of industries that can still help you. Now, my main interests are photography and audio production slash podcasting. So there might be more guests kind of within those niches. But I also want to get guests who are writers, guests who are graphic designers, uh, maybe web designers, website developers, you know, any kind of guest who has a really, a really strong suite of creative skills that I think can help us get better at our own creative skills. And how often can we expect new shows from you? So in the podcasting world, a weekly show is pretty standard. You know, like a 20-minute show every week or something like that. That's pretty much the go-to. I got some really great advice, though. I was in a podcasting webinar with Pat Flynn. He gave the advice that if you think you can do a weekly show, then try to do a a twice-a-month show. If you think you can do a a twice-a-month show, try doing a monthly show first. And he gave this advice because... Once you set the expectation for a weekly show, people are going to be mad if you go to a twice a month show. But if you start with a twice a month show and you go to a weekly show, then they'll be delighted as long as it's not a really terrible show and they actually enjoy listening to it. So that's what I'm going to do. I was thinking I would do a weekly show first. I think I'm going to take this advice, do a twice a month show. Uh, One episode each month is going to be an interview. The other episode is going to be a tips and tricks kind of one-on-one episode. And I'm going to try that out for a while and see how that goes. I feel like I know you so much more intimately now after this conversation. Yeah, we haven't had, I mean, we haven't really had a cause to talk so deeply about podcasting specifically before this. Mm -mm. 
Side note, when we were looking at domains for the Burley Bison Bakery website, yeah. there's a domain that's .men, so <laughs> I really want someone to have a website that it's raining .men. .men. Yeah. That would be a great website. Yes. What would be on that website? Like literal pictures of raindrops with men in them? No, I would want some like very early 2000s graphics of like flashing raindrops <laughs> and... What are those? You can do them on Instagram stories now of like people. There's like people dancing back and forth. GIFs. GIFs. I guess that's what it would be. Yeah. I want those pictures of men in the sparkling <laughs> the early flashing. 2000s raindrops. It has to be based on flash. Nothing more modern than exactly, that. Exactly. You know, flash yeah. based everything. Yes. Mm-hmm. Nicole, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me on the show. Where can people find you online to, if they want to find out more? Well, you can go to burleybisonbakery.com to see all of Dylan's beautiful photographs. (laughs) And if you're ever in the Grand Rapids area, hit us up and we'll make you something tasty. Yeah. You can also find the Burley Bison Bakery on Instagram and on Facebook. Awesome. Technically, we're on Twitter. I was going to say Pinterest, but we're on Twitter, too. I don't believe in Twitter. (laughs) It doesn't exist. No. You know, Twitter is like some people's favorite social platform. I don't get it. I kind of get it. I don't totally understand Twitter. Like, it's definitely not my favorite. My favorite platform is Instagram, I would say at this point. I just don't understand Twitter enough to be very good at it. You can find me on Instagram at dkmedia.xyz. You can find the podcast, Live Life Creative Podcast. That is the Instagram handle. You can find us on Facebook, Live Life Creative, but Instagram is really, I think, where I'm going to be the most active with the podcast and engaging people. So that's the best way. You can also find us online, livelifecreativepodcast.xyz. We're going to go make dinner now, probably. That or sounds something. good. Or yeah. dessert. Or dessert. Cake. More dessert, please. Peanut butter. Peanutbutter.com. <laughs> Peanut butter. Hey, thanks for spending some time here in the show. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with me and Nicole. I really loved having a chance just to talk with her for one thing and also exploring the different ideas of where this podcast is going to go. I hope that's something that interests you and I'd love to hear your feedback. Like I said earlier, you can send a voice message to live live creative podcast at gmail.com. Just open any voice memo app. Record what you want to say and hit the share button to bring it into your email. And that's on your smartphone, obviously. I'd love to hear from you. What was your first creative skill? And do you love it or do you hate it now? And and why? So this whole podcast is still new. It's I'm very open to changing the format or the type of interview that I do, a type of one-on-one episode. Those will come later. Your emails and voice messages, those are really going to make a difference on exactly how this show is going to be shaped. So this podcast is here to help you. I want you to tell me if it's not working, if there's something that needs to be changed. I'd love to hear that. So our next show is going to be a one-on-one tips and tricks kind of episode uh, using creative mistakes to break out of a rut. 
Now, you can subscribe to Live Life Creative in Apple Podcasts, in Google Play, or Stitcher, or, you know, your favorite podcast app, and leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That is definitely the biggest place where most people get their podcasts. So rising up in the charts there, that's really going to help the show reach more people. You know, right now, this show is like a baby giraffe. Ratings and reviews is how it's going to learn to walk, if I can stretch a metaphor. Together, we can help others be more creative too. I'm Dylan, helping you break down your creative barriers so you can live life creative. Yeah.